This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means that you are listening to another episode of the Crown Cast. And it's it's just a lot of heavy size. Uh, for those of you out there, we hope you enjoyed your Easter weekend. Uh, we hope that you spent some time with your families. We hope that you didn't spend that time thinking about Charlotte FC's performance because there were better things for you to be doing. Uh, we went to Real Salt Lake, and we are going to discuss it and hopefully see if we can find some interesting facts that maybe make us feel a little bit more positive than the end of the game made us feel. And here to do that with me today is Josh. Hello, Josh. Hey, Logan. How you doing? Uh, I am. I am. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think there's there's a lot of stuff about Charlotte FC that is is causing some hair tearing out at the moment. We do have a very important announcement to make, and that is we are we are sad to announce that Justin has decided to part ways with the Crown Cast. Uh, he has been a fantastic co-host of the show for more than a year now. And I think it's safe to say that I speak for the rest of the Crown Cast when I say we wish him all the best in whatever his future endeavors happen to be. Uh, but very unfortunately, you will not be hearing Justin's voice here from now on, and we do wish him the best. Uh, Josh, you want to hop straight into the one time where, I guess, Charlotte did the good? Yeah, let's start off with the good before we get to the bad, I think, right? <laughs> and let's it- do it. And it was a it was a a good goal that began this game in uh, around the twentieth minute. Um, Kerwin Vargas gets the ball around the halfway line. He sends in a weird little pass to the head of Enzo Capetti, who has a really really good header. If you rewatch it, um, this ball is coming at him with pace, and he's able to just redirect it into Ben Bender's path in behind the uh, Real Salt Lake line. Bender is able to drive at the goal. Uh, he then passes to Carol Swiderski, who, for some reason, Real did not get the memo about Carol's left foot. They allowed him to take a few touches to get onto that left foot, and Carol has a really, really good finish into the topish left corner of the goal. Uh, one nothing to Charlotte, and I think everyone at that point was feeling kind of good about things, a little optimistic that maybe this was a road... When that was in the making. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a thought before, obviously, stuff went south, right? When we went the goal up, we have talked about it before that if you give Carol Swiderski the ability to get to his superpower, it's a superpower. I think that mm-hmm. shot is incredible. I think it's unsavable. Um, I think we know that about Carol Swiderski. I had a thought previously, and I'd like to get your opinion on it, and that is, Considering how this team has played, I'm starting to wonder whether or not the pressure of being in the bank might start to turn against them and whether or not it might actually have helped them to get a couple games on the road where there wasn't really any change in atmosphere, right? They were they they knew they were going in as the bad guys. Mm. There wasn't going to be any shift in that. I, I think there's some merit to it. What I will say, at least from my vantage point so far this year in the supporter section, is that the supporter section, I think, has still been mostly positive as far as supporting the players, as far as supporting the team. There have been frustrations, obviously, as there are in any of those sections. Um, From that vantage point, I think that there's still a lot of support happening. Um, 
But for a team that is struggling, I do think that there is some merit to this idea of we don't have to worry about pleasing anyone in the stands because we're not going to, especially when you're traveling to someplace like Real Salt Lake, where unfortunately a majority of Charlotte fans aren't going to be able to make that trip. Um, So I I do think that there is some merit to that. And I think one up during that game, I think that made a lot of sense. Unfortunately, I think things kind of went off the rails. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like that coin has two sides. Um, Yeah. I want to talk really quickly while we're on some of the positives about this game, or maybe not really quickly. If we want to ramble about it, I'm fine with that too. And that is George Marks. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're going to talk about George Marks in two different capacities here. I think that the first capacity we have to talk about is that pop, is that flair, is that that high energy shot stopping monster that we have seen is in him. Because despite the fact that we give up three goals in this one, and we'll get on to the fact that I think Marks is pretty heavily responsible for one of them. We are way worse without Marks in Mm -hmm. this. I mean, he makes what seven saves on target and some of them are really Superman saves. Should we just be expecting this from him now? Like, is this just him? I, you know, I really hope it is because I, I will be the first to admit I had this wrong about George Marks. Um, I am a well-known height snob when it comes to goalies, and I thought that that was going to disqualify him from being good. He has athleticism in goal, which makes up for that height. Um, his shot-stopping ability is really, really phenomenal, um, and it's something that I don't see why it would go away from him. Um, there are other parts of his game that obviously he's only, I think, 23, 24 that are going to have to get better. But I think this ability to pull off really, really good saves, I think that's here to stay. And I think that there's a a very good argument to be made that he is, amongst our goalkeepers, the best at that. And that is saying something because I think one of Kalina's big strengths is as a shot stopper. But I think that Marks has made more, wow, he saved that saves this year than I was expecting. And, and I think at the very least, I think he's pretty on par with Kalina in that respect. Yeah, I would call him, if nothing else, explosive. Mm-hmm. And I think this was the first one to me where I said that was not a blip, right? Mm-hmm. That was not a, this guy had all of the adrenaline from his first time in goal and started popping off. No, he's now done it a couple times in a row. And I think he set a couple records for this game. Not that you really want to be setting goalkeeper records for single games, because that means you're getting... Really, the the ball run down your throat. Um, We're going to talk about him a little bit more in the second half, but I do think his sort of first half performance and some of his second half performance deserves a shout out for Mm -hmm. being really, really good. Yep. I'm going to talk about something that is frustrating me with this team. We are unable to hold the ball in dangerous areas. In the top of our box, just past the top of our box, through the middle of the field, we just do not seem capable of retaining possession. And I'm going to I'm going to single out someone here who had a really good game, in my opinion, for a lot of what he did to show that it's it's across the board. And that's Carol Swiderski. Carol gets a goal in this one. It's a it's a fantastic shot, but Carol is now getting into that midfield rotation, and he's dropping into the six role when Brant Bronico is let free and Bender isn't in that role. 
And Carroll has now started giving the ball away in that sixth position more than I'd like. I have trouble pinning this on Carroll because Carroll is a striker. To my knowledge, Carroll has not had extended training in his life at being a defensive midfielder, right? His his job mm-hmm. has never been the pressure release valve of that position. And it's tough. That position gets run down and pressured hard and you have to be able to break out of really tight, you know, play mm-hmm. football in a phone box type places. But we can't seem to get out. We cannot seem to get away from from these positions. And when the ball goes there, worse than that, we are starting to lose it. And mm-hmm. it's difficult for me to say what comes next. I mean, are you seeing the same thing I'm seeing? Yeah. So my feeling on on Carroll is that when he is able to run at players, his ability to go around players with by dribbling is is pretty good, I think, right? Like we see some intricate like one twos. We can see him, you know, go around nutmeg a guy, use his strength to shoulder a guy out of the way. But when Carroll is not moving, that's where I see the issues. And what you're talking about is in places where you won't be moving, really. You're not moving towards the other person's goal. You're trying to get out. And in those situations, I agree, he can often lose the ball. I also agree that I I can't put this fully on him because he is a striker who has been turned into a midfielder who is now, to coin your term from better days earlier in the season, the uh, Rocket League midfield, right, where people change and, and positions change. And that is not something that is something that he's quite frankly must be getting used to. What I will put on him though is at some point you have to realize maybe I just need to boot this ball. Maybe I don't need to be so tricky right now. Maybe I just need to make the safe pass back or to the side or wherever it is. And rather than trying to take two guys out of the play, I just need to keep the ball for our team. And that is an area where he can and should be growing um, because we can't continue to have, as you said, balls being lost around our own penalty box. It's what leads to goals in any league. Um, and it's what le- it's what's led to goals this year for us. Yeah, so you've heard me talk endlessly about the fact that transition are the most dangerous places in a football match and even more so mm-hmm. in an imperfect league like the MLS letting another team start an offensive attacking transition while all of their players are still in the attack because we're losing these balls as it's shuffling through that defensive midfield position to get out so Mm -hmm. by giving up the ball there the entire opposing team is still in your offensive area and they're starting their attack while you have a disjointed defense from the top of your box it's just not a good look And in my opinion, if Charlotte FC is going to succeed this year, and, you know, we're probably not winning any titles, but if Charlotte FC is going to continue to grow as a club, this has to get fixed. We cannot be giving the ball away in this position. Now, you and I might be a little bit unfairly positioned on this because we are both Arsenal supporters and we're used to seeing a man named Thomas Party do this. (laughs) And you can give you can give him the ball in a phone box with 18 people and he will somehow leap with it. Yep. I don't want to to say what this is is easy. Right. Mm. 
what I don't want this to come across is as Carol Swiderski should be able to turn the ball with his back to goal, dribble three people, and spring a counter off to Ben Bender or Enzo Capetti. If he can do that, great. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to try and do that, you have to have a way to do it safely. And mm-hmm. right now I'm not seeing it, not just from Carroll. I think Ben's mm-hmm. lost the ball there a couple times. I've seen Brant lose the ball there a couple times, though I think he's probably the best of the midfielders. Final thoughts on this before we move on? Yeah, I would just say, the weirdly, the only person that I really trust in a sort of if they're getting the ball in a tight space around our penalty box and they're not moving they just have to sort of create something is derrick jones don't weirdly don't, enough don't do it I, don't say derrick jones <laughs> it's derrick jones it's derrick jones because he is so big and strong that often he just muscles people away from him until he can clear the ball now derrick jones doesn't have the passing ability to start that counter but he does i think retain the ball in those situations well but again it, it that's a further point that speaks to the imperfectness of this league and our team and what these players can and cannot do and what they're being asked to do so do you think that's a big portion then of why Derek jones has been such a stalwart in this team is just his ability to not lose the ball in immediate transition it's that, and I think it's the point that you've made before, where when the game is in front of Derek Jones, I do believe that he reads the game well. Um, I, I I have issues with his passing, and I have issues at times with his ability to track back once he gets beat. But if he is able to sort of sit and read a game, as you've said before, I think he's really good at intercepting passes, at snuffing out where danger can go, and I think that is the bigger reason why he's been in this team, because I think that I think we've seen Brant Bronico play that that six before, but we do lose some defensive stability, I, I think, with Brant in that role. Um, I don't think he's quite as good as Derek with that. And I don't know that Brant's passing ability offsets it enough to make it worthwhile, if that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. Let's let's move away from this for now and go into yeah. sort of the bad, bad stuff. Uh, I think it's safe to say Jalen Lindsay doesn't cover himself in glory in this match, but it's probably safe to say no one covers themselves in glory mm-hmm. in this match. Um, Jalen clears a a ball in a way that you are told don't clear the ball. Uh, he doesn't get any height on it. He doesn't take it out to any of the sides. He does what he can, but at, at the moment, it is not the right move. He just sort of hits the ball straight back out to a real Salt Lake player who, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think was in a horribly dangerous position. As it was happening, I was like, ooh, that's not great, Jalen. You're better than that. But I didn't expect anything bad from mm-hmm. it. And then all of a sudden, this guy rifles this ball into the absolute top, well, bottom of the top woodwork. There's yeah. some math in there. And... Uh, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, I think he won. I don't, I don't think he one touches it. He gets a control touch and with no run up fires that mm-hmm. with the exception of the fact that Jalen does not have a great clear. Mm-hmm. Can we, can you put that on anyone except the real salt Lake player who hits a worldie? I mean, maybe in a perfect world, Vargas does a little bit better job of of challenging the cross that comes in um 
Not really, though. I mean, so, you know, I've talked about this with Bill Tuliloma before where the process is correct, but the final execution hasn't been. And that's what it felt like with Jalen here. He reads the cross perfectly. He gets to where he needs to be. But that final thing he needs to do in order to make it a really good play, he messes up and it leads directly to a goal. That's some bad luck on our part, but that's also just bad execution. The only other thing I will want to point out and this is this goal is not on him. I have some issues, and this is going to come up again at a different point uh, in this pod with Ben Bender on this goal in the fact that he looks lost to me. He is yards away from any Real Salt Lake player. It doesn't end up mattering because this ball is is rocketed in, but if this ball is cleared correctly or cleared a different way, he just looks lost. And when we talk about some of the dysfunction in this team and we talk about who should be playing and who shouldn't and Bender's name comes up all the time because he was the first overall pick. I think this game and this goal shows some of the reasons why he is not getting as much time as some fans expect because defensively these things happen to him where he's not where he should be or he doesn't look like he knows where he should be. Yeah, there does seem to be somewhat of a of a whether he's still learning that side of the game or whether it's just not as natural to him as the attacking mm-hmm. flow of the game. Uh, it, it does not seem to be super clear to Bender. I do wonder how much of this is holdover from college ball. We mm-hmm. have talked to some college players where the sort of general expectation of college ball is usually boot it long and go try and play in their, the opponent's half, mm-hmm. which I don't hate. But in that... Well, I, I don't like it as a professional strategy, <laughs> but but I don't hate the idea of you want to play in your opponent's half as much as, as possible, right? Mm-hmm. In that world, Bender's job there would be not to support the defense. It would be to find space for where the big long ball is going to go over so he can go chase mm-hmm. it. All that said, this is not college ball, mm-hmm. right? This is the MLS. And I, I do think that while he is improving, I think we are starting to see as he gets more minutes, some of the clear examples that aren't necessarily being covered because there aren't world-class players around him. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, I, it, it's it, it's a fair thing as well because he is a young player still. The, the step up from college to a professional league is going to be a big one, and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I think that this would be a lot... I think it would be a lot better for Ben if he was not in a midfield that also had Carol Swiderski in the sense that Carol is a striker turned midfielder. So he is also not providing, he's also sort of learning a position if you, if you will. And so I think it becomes more obvious his defensive deficiencies in the midfield when he has another player who has similar deficiencies. Yeah. I, I think we should go ahead and move on here just because we have lots of other stuff to get to. Yeah. Um, the second goal uh, I personally put this mostly down to George Marks. Um, if you watch the replay of the second goal really closely, George Marks makes the right decision. That ball is crossing in front of his six-yard box. It's right in the middle. It's his. And mm-hmm. you can see him start to step out to go get it. And you actually see Adilson Melanda like, look at him step out and go, okay, Marks is coming. And then what is definitely a misread on his part he goes into a split step and changes direction and then tries to block the shot. 
Uh, I think if he goes with his first instinct there, he claims that ball relatively easily with absolutely no drama whatsoever. That's not to say everything that leads up to it is perfect. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. But I think that that is, a, that is a goalkeeper error. And it's also one I'm not going to harp on too much mm-hmm. <laughs> because he made a series of incredible saves in this. Mm-hmm. This was, I think, the first instance of maybe some cracks showing through when just continuous pressure is applied. I think it's a bad decision, and I think that they they show more because he's literally the last guy before the goal, and this one costs a goal. Thoughts on on goal two? Yeah, I, I'm with you on, on most of that. It, it's one of those things where mistakes are going to happen, and they're especially going to happen when you're giving a team chance after chance after chance to make them happen. Um, and it's a... It's an understandable, I guess, is the best way I'd put it, mistake, right? Like he misreads the flight of the ball or misreads it, the trajectory. He misreads something and it makes sense. He still kind of almost gets there. So you can tell how sort of a fine line this was, I think, too, with with this misread. Um, as you said, he had a ton of saves. Um, you know, it, it's it's not something where I think we need to sit there and say, well, he's the one that cost us all our points because that's the second goal. Um, he he kept us in this game for large periods of it. Um, I, I talked with you about this before we we went live. Is is one of the big issues I actually have, and and it's going to sound like I'm harping on Bender, but it is it is Ben Bender in this lead up. Um, I'm of the opinion that he lets the initiator of this attack, Brody for Real Salt Lake, go too easily without putting in a a challenge. He lets him go to Vargas, um, and. Then, as you said, he doesn't fill the space back where Vargas was. And again, it's another example of Ben's defensive issues um, that I think get lost in the grand scheme of things. But if you are someone who is looking back at the game or looking back at the goals closely, they start to show up more and more. Yeah, I think that I come off a little bit kinder on your first point here, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily expect him to be the guy that tracks this runner. I do expect him, if he sees the handoff and hands the player off, um, I do expect him to fill the space. Yeah. And especially as a player who who clearly has such an acknowledgement of space, mm-hmm. I would expect him to be able to to see where danger could come from. And I would expect, even if he can't necessarily cover it effectively, he goes out there to cover the wide side. Mm-hmm. This is uh, one of those things that I think we're starting to see that Bender has flaws we all knew about, but he is starting to look like a a luxury player on defense. Mm-hmm. And that's not to kill the guy, because if you look at any of his ratings on this game, his ratings are are one of the highest of our team. When it comes to the offensive side of the ball, he really, really can and did shine we just weren't ever on offense and (laughs) in a game where you're never on offense, your offensive players, their offensive ability does not really get to uh, get to make a mark. What we see is their defense. And so I think it's fair that he gets called out here. Let's talk about another offensive player because you brought up to me that you want to talk about uh, Kerwin Vargas. You had some, some thoughts on where he should be. Yeah. So it it was actually something that, 
I noticed first half when I looked after the first half, I looked at our, our passing network. And, and what you see when you look at the passing network from the first half is that Kerwin Vargas is basically on the the midway line. Um, and I, you know, I made the comment um, on Twitter that, you know, I'd like to see him pushed up a little bit more and a little bit wider because you don't want Kerwin Vargas on the midway line. You want him running at defenders. You want him towards that opposition goal. You want him being able to cut in on his right foot. And then when you look at his heat map from this game, and whereas a passing map will only show you um, where the player was offensively, a heat map's going to show you where they were the entire game. And basically this heat map shows that he is around the midway line this entire game. He is not getting up the field at all. There are probably a number of factors that lead into this. Um, tactics, uh, what RSL is doing, um, our inability to get the ball up. But part of this did feel intentional in some ways, just the way we were playing Bender, him and Enzo on that, on that uh, left side. And it's something that really concerns me because if you look at this heat map and then you look at a heat map of any of his other games, he is way higher up the pitch. And he is arguably one of our more dangerous offensive players, and he could not get into that fa uh, facet of the game. So I have a question for you regarding to this and mm -hmm. regarding to this, regarding this. Like, <laughs> like I've said before, English, very challenging language. Words be hard, man. <laughs> Words do be hard. Um, Savarino and Gomez mm -hmm. light this matchup on the wings. Um, Savarino has the better of Jalen Lindsay by miles, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he has just, he has torn apart that left wing and Gomez is running down awful and consistently winning. Mm -hmm. How much of Vargas going missing in this game do you feel like was a fact that we not only gave up the wings, but we just lost them so horribly badly? I mean, I again, I, I think it's part of it, right? I, I think one of the reasons you're not seeing him further up the pitch is because we couldn't get up there because they were constant. Like, he's being dragged back, and if you watch any of these goals, Vargas is around the ball at some point in the buildup to these RSL goals because he's being asked to defend. And, of course, any winger is going to have to be asked to defend. Um, but the way that as you said, RSL dominated the wings, definitely plays a part into it. And this then brings up a myriad of other questions or other things that I don't want to get into. But the point is, if this wasn't working, we we could have had other options rather than just continuing to, to be um, settling for him to just sort of be on the pitch, basically. And that's what it felt like. I think if you go and rewatch this game, it just sort of felt like Vargas was there, but we didn't see the Vargas that so excited us earlier in the year. Yeah, I, I think that that is more than fair. Uh, I'm going to move us on and we'll talk about their third goal because I think the third goal is where I get to scream and yell at people. And okay. everybody knows my favorite thing to do, scream and yell at people, especially professional athletes who could run literal circles around me with one foot. Um I have some frustration on the third goal. I have some real frustration at uh, Harrison Awful because one of two things is happening here. As this ball transitions, Harrison Awful drops away from the defensive line. And 
anyone who's played a defender in football at any level knows that you hold your defensive line because that is what allows the offside trap to function and it stops runners from from getting the beat of other players. Harrison Awful drops way off it, like 10 yards back off of it, not not like two steps off it. He's way behind it. And one of two things should be happening. Either A, Bill Tuiloma is the leader of the defensive line, and Harrison Awful has decided not to hold the line where Bill Tuiloma was, or B, Harrison Awful, being a captain, is supposed to be setting and holding the defensive line and no one is listening to him. <laughs> and right, neither one of these things is good. But Harrison Awful being so far back means that I believe it's Julio gets to run just absolutely free and clear on the left side of the pitch, creating an amount of danger over there that is ultimately irrelevant, but absolutely terrifying. This, this break in the play means that when the ball goes out to the right and is subsequently passed towards the center, our entire defensive line is now sprinting backwards, right? They're not looking at what is in front of them. They're having to run towards our goal with no vision of what's behind them. I will say, I think we look shattered at this point. We've just Mm -hmm. given up two goals. They... Uh, heads look down. I'm not saying it's like downing tools moments, but heads are certainly down and nobody looks good. Harrison Awful, jogging. Bill Tuiloma has, again, another 10 yards on the ultimate goal scorer and gets absolutely blown by, run by. Uh, Adilson Melanda has a better step than the goal scorer is run by. Jalen Lindsay, he in theory could have been in a decent starting position, but once he acknowledges that play has moved on, he has got to be crashing down on Julio. And there are some thoughts about where in theory Brant Bronico should be going. Mm-hmm. But one thing I think we can agree on, Josh, is that Brant Bronico is probably the only one running. Yes. The, the um, only one. <laughs> do you do you want to give your thoughts on this? Because ultimately, this was, in my opinion, uh, this was not a proud moment to be a Charlotte FC fan. Yeah, th- this is, as you said, this team looked broken. I think that the just onslaught of attack that RSL brought the second half, giving up the two goal or the, giving up the lead to, with two goals, they looked like they were they were done. And from a fan perspective, what you hate to see, or at least what I hate to see, is a lack of effort. And that's what I saw here. You know, you alluded to Julio being, he's wide open at the far post. Anything could happen with this goal. Savarino is a tremendous player for this league that a lot of Charlotte fans are probably not super familiar with. He is, I would would trade a lot of people and money for Savarino. Um, But he finishes this well, but he could have scuffed his shot and no one is covering Julio at the back post who could have had a tap in. Marks could have saved it and flicked it out to that back post. Julio has a tap in, you know, Lindsay may never recover on Julio, even if he is busting it down there, but I want to see that happening. Um, and at the end of the day, this, this just looked like a team that had decided 
or maybe not decided even consciously, but they just, they looked being, and they looked like they wanted to get off the pitch back on the plane and back home. Yeah. Uh, this one was frustrating because, you know, like we, we've now kind of harped on, it, it's an effort problem and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's an understandable one. I think that we, we all have to acknowledge these guys aren't robots, right? They're sure. human beings. They experience emotion and being ahead, feeling like, you know, you've just come off the high of, of turning around a deficit up in Toronto, feeling like you've got the ball rolling. And then all of a sudden for your momentum to just get, just get stopped like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys are people. They're, they're human beings like us. But the thing we kept saying about Carol Swiderski when he wasn't scoring was you can't fault the guy. He runs his butt off. Mm-hmm. You can't say anything about his effort. He is running around to defend positions that aren't his, right? <laughs> he is he is making thankless runs over and over and over again, and they may not be the best runs on earth. He may not be connecting with the team in the perfect way, but one thing you cannot say is that he was not running, mm-hmm. right? And that, for me, is, is a, a big thing. And whether that's this moment got to these players, because it's the whole defensive line. Yeah. Like we said, the hardest running player in this is our defensive midfielder in Brant Veronico. Yep. Uh, whether it's this moment that got to the players or whether it is a, a, a mentality that, that I really hope we're not seeing at Charlotte FC, whatever it is, it's not something I want to keep seeing. I think moments like this are how you lose fans. Absolutely. Uh, let's uh, let's let's take it on to the, my final sort of talking point here before we look ahead. And that is, I think the pressure started to show on everybody, Marks included. And Marks obviously gives up the second goal. I think that is on him. Uh, I think he's a big boy. By the time you're a professional keeper, you have made mistakes and given up a couple goals in your history. I don't think this is going to shatter his confidence. I mm-hmm. still think he's the exact same shot stopper. What worried me was I saw a couple of scuffed clearances. And I'll be honest, the first one surprised me. The first one was like, oh, wow, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, free, no pressure. And this scuffed clearance, you know, uh, allows this pressure to continue to be on us. We don't even get the 30 second break of them having to run the ball back up the field. Right. The second one I'm worried about. And. I think my first statement here is under consistent pressure, cracks are going to show. And the more pressure you add, the bigger the crack. It will continue to grow. The second one felt like a, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, it felt like a confidence loss. It felt like a player not just going, oh, I made a mistake. But now I know I've got a mistake in me and I'm panicking and I'm thinking about the mistakes. Mm. Am I reading too far into this, Josh? Yeah, you know, I I don't know that I would go that far as far as I think in game, maybe you can make it. I will say I'm not worried about him moving forward um, outside of this game. Now, he's a young keeper. He has not he has allowed goals before. We have lost games with him starting before, but I don't think he's ever been battered like this in a Charlotte FC shirt the way that second half was. Um, Until I see him come out this next game 
and have a couple more poor clearances and 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 show signs of it carrying over i'm not going to worry about it because this is a kid who i imagine has been playing goalie for 10 15 years now right he's only 23 the majority of his life i'm sure he's had bad games before and my hope is that he bounces back this whole team as we just said looked a little shattered and this includes a guy like bill tuiloma who's been in this league for five years harrison awful who's been in it since i think it was founded um sorry harrison (laughs) (laughs) harrison awful since the beginning (laughs) um so in general i'm not worried i do think that i do think he had some issues um, this game, but it's not something that I'm super worried about moving forward. I, I got some real uh, do not cite the old text to me. I was I was there when they were written vibes from that that Harrison <laughs> awful comment. <laughs> um, let's move along. Let's look ahead. I think that as a general rule, we probably want to forget this ever existed. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a rather depressing uh, result if you're a Charlotte FC fan. So let's do what we we like to do, and let's push it into the deep dark and uh, look ahead to Colorado, who yes. I, I will I will make a note here. Google says we should win. Oh, yeah. Well, Believe it or not, why Google we, says... Why are we even doing this? I mean, just... Yeah. Google did my job. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say, Google says we are more likely to win <laughs> than Colorado. Uh, I think if I do the math really quick in my head, it's a 53% chance that it will be either a draw or a Colorado (laughs) win. So it's more likely that Charlotte don't win, but Charlotte are the more likely team to win. Yeah, let all that math work. It's something. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about these guys. Uh, All right, so on the bright side, I would say that there is no super danger man on this Colorado team in the same way that you have a Savarino for... Real Salt Lake, uh, a Bernadeschi for uh, Toronto. That's not to say they don't have some good players. Uh, Diego Rubio had basically a career year last year. He scored 16 goals last year for them. Um, He was injured at the beginning of the year, but he's back. He's already got one of their goals. So he's a definite good player, but he's not someone who um, I think we need to be overly concerned about. He's someone you want to keep on your radar, but he's not going to take over a game like a Bernadeschi does. Um, the thing that worries me the most about this team, if I'm being completely honest, is if you look at their standings, they're, I think, 11th in the West. They've only scored three goals on the year, and you sit there and you say, this is great. This is a get-right game for us. This is a team that cannot score. We're playing at home. Fantastic. Two things worry me. First and foremost, they've scored three goals, but their XG is 8.5 which means that they have a ridiculous gap between those. That XG does not show a hugely offensive team that need that can score at will, obviously, but that is a significant gap. For reference, Charlotte have seven goals and their XG is seven. Um, so, you know, th- it worries me a little bit in the pessimist in me goes, oh, is this a return to the mean type of game for them? The second thing that worries me is that even if they can't score, it's really hard to score against them. Seattle put four past them the first game. Since then, they have not allowed more than two goals in a game. Five out of their seven games have been one or fewer goals. And they shut out LAFC, which is impressive in and of itself. This is a really solid defensive team that um, is going to be hard 
to break down, I think, for us. For any team, really. Again, LAFC got shut out with them. We are nowhere near the offensive juggernaut that LAFC can be when they're when they're going. So those are sort of the things that worry me is that maybe they have a better offensive performance than than you might anticipate and that Charlotte continue with their offensive struggles. So, Josh, you know me. You know the question I'm about to ask. Sure. And and that is we have really just a a plethora of attacking options. Uh, okay. We have a Mackenzie Gaines who hasn't seen the field in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have a quasi-hot Kerwin Vargas, despite getting kind of quenched yep. in that last one. Uh, we have Yuzhwiak, who should now have a little bit more confidence in his step. We have Carol Swiderski with a goal now. We have Ben Bender having some contributions. And yep. and we have the almighty Enzo Capetti. <laughs> where Where is our danger coming from? Where Where can we get at them? Okay, so I first want to preference this, preface this by saying I do not root for injury. However, I, do, I also don't apologize if our opponent has an injury. Um, Colorado have only one designated player, and that is their, a center back named uh, Max So. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if that's the right pronunciation. Uh, bottom line oh. is he has started every game so far for them this year, but he was forced off through injury. Um, last week it is unclear whether i've not seen any updates about whether he's going to play or not um but there is some slight hope in the sense of if they have to make a change there for their three at the back that does disrupt them a bit they still have a really good center back in abu Bakr who can who can fill in um as far as getting at them we continue to dominate possession um they though do not necessarily give up possession so If we lent into a little bit more of a transition game where I think Enzo has shown he can shine, um, I think that there's some opportunity there, especially if they're forced into a change at the back. Um, Gaines, I'm not sure. I believe Gaines missed the last game actually through injury himself, and I'm not sure I've seen an update on, on that either, so I'm not sure if we'll have him. But I think that Vargas and uh, Yuzwiak offer enough pace to cause them some problems themselves. Um, the, the bigger thing for me, I think is, can we actually do something with all the possession that we, that we have? Um, can we, can we actually challenge that back line? Because I don't think that their goalkeeper is great. I think he's a product of the team more so than an individually great player. So if you expect us to have this possession, Mm -hmm. do you think we're going to see a more attacking setup? Do you think this is going to be a team that's designed to to bring it to them? Or do you think this is going to be a team that says, hey, when we get to attack, we'll attack, but we're going to make defending our goal priority one? I would I would like us to be a little bit more balanced than we were against Real Salt Lake. And and for me, what that means is, is I don't want to see Bender and, and Swiderski back together in that midfield. Um, I Ideally, Westwood would be healthy enough to play in this game. I don't know that that's going to happen. It's It's been sort of silence on that front as far as i've seen um you know if it were me i would probably put brant back into that starting lineup i'd do a, a swiderski brant uh dj midfield okay um well i do think that we are probably going to have to take this opportunity to go out and make something happen here uh, we've talked before about the fact that results need to start coming you know, for for this team, for the fans, certainly for Christian Latanzio, 
who I, I think the seat gets hotter every single day. Mm-hmm. This is this is something that we as fans need to to feel like we are seeing the progress. And that's going to lead me really quickly into what I am going to look for in this game. And what I'm going to look for is that we close the back door. What I'm going to look for is that a successful team has to be built on a functioning defense. And if you want your defense to operate on the midline and is willing to take the over the top duels, as long as it functions, great. If you want your defense to function by having five at the back and parking the bus and just hoping that everything you get is on a counter transition, fine. I mean, not ideal, certainly not for me, but if your defense is not holding teams to a reasonable level, it does not matter what else is happening. Your offense has the chance to go and win games, but only if your defense does not lose them. And for me, I need to see after what has happened in that last game that Christian Latanzio can get this defense into a place that other teams have to beat. Uh, thoughts on that, Josh? Yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's a really good shout. You know, it's this team has has not been fun to watch, but it's mostly been because we're losing. Even a even a Mourinho team because that's what you're describing with a park the bus, hit him on the counter. Even Mourinho teams, you can have fun with those because they have tended historically to win. Um, if we win, no one's going to care if it's one nothing. Um, but we're not going to win a shootout. And so you're right. We have to be better defensively. Yeah, I, I think this is a really good time. It's at home. We're going to get the, the fans back on side. We have the the advantage of knowing that they really don't have a world class threat to to bring to bear to us. I think it has to be now. I think Christian Latanzio has to show that at least the very base of the pyramid can be stable. And if not, I think we're going to see downhill really, really rapidly. Uh, Josh, final thoughts here before we take it out for the day. Yeah, I would I would actually like to see a pretty unchanged lineup aside from that Bronico substitution because I think another thing that we just need is some consistency with this team and how we're playing and who's playing and where they're playing. Um, so, you know, to me, this is not... I don't think we have anyone personnel-wise who's going to come into this team and dramatically improve us. It has to come down to the tactics and the um, philosophy that is that is coming through this team. All right, and with that... Uh, I will tell you that if you have decided to spend your time with us, we love you. Thank you so much as ever. If you want to find us on social media, you can go out and you can find us on Instagram at the underscore crown underscore cast. You can find us on Twitter at the underscore crown cast. And you can find us online to read all of the amazing stuff that Josh does at crowncast.net. And with that, I will say we will talk to you again after we go and take our next three points. Maybe. Maybe from Colorado Rapids. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.